All right. Good morning. Okay, maybe not. Not a good morning? Hey, look, I want you guys to know that I have uh, very purposefully avoided some opportunities to make some great dad jokes about, you know, I hadn't seen you since last year kind of thing. Uh, so you're welcome because there's been some opportunities. I really enjoy those videos. Um, I appreciate y'all hanging in there with me to that. As you probably guessed, we're going to do what I'm going to call a mini-series on the book of First John. And by mini-series, I mean we won't take a year to do it. Um, perhaps only a couple of weeks, but we'll see kind of how it plays out. I try to roadmap those things, but a lot of times God doesn't give me that. He just says, do this, and so I kind of walk through it day by day, and, and we see where he takes us. So anyway, I'm really excited about the message that God has for us, um, not just for today, but for the next several weeks, uh, but also the year. I've been, you know, for the last couple, three or four weeks, just really spending a lot of time asking God, what do you have for us next week? And I'm really excited to to kind of un- develop that and, and un- unroll that for you guys. Probably towards the end of this month, we're going to do our, our kind of state of the church address where we'll reveal some of those things. But, but for now, um, I'm, I really feel like God has led us to this book of First John to help us gain some good perspective about, um, about who he is and what his call is for us as a body. But not just a, an individual perspective, but a shared perspective so that we as a church can understand what God has for us this year. Y'all on board with that? Good. All right. So, like the video said, the things that we're going to talk about today and as we study through this book are not new information. Uh, as you guys know from the history of our church, we spent a lot of time in the book of John. Um, and a lot of the messages that John shares in this poetic sermon in First John, that information is coming from that. But these principles are ones that, that though we've talked about them before, just like the church that John is writing this this sermon to, we need to be reminded of who God is and who we are and what our call is to be. I, uh, I have a friend, it's one of those people that's in my life that, um, that God has told me specifically to invest time in. He's not a believer, he's a really nice guy, we work together, um, but he's, he he's kind of, in terms of what he thinks about God, it's just kind of, eh, you know. Um, he sent me an article Friday night, a headline that came up on, I think it was CNN is where he sent it from. Uh, and it was this whole article about this major denomination that's, that's considering a split. Now, I know that he's not a believer, and all he did was send me the headline, but I know what the underlying question is behind that headline. He's asking the question, if this is the church, if these are people that are following Jesus, why is there a need for a split, right? And I think that's a great question to ask. I think it's an important question to ask. We're going to see in our text today that there's a group of people called deceivers. They've left the church and they're trying to convince what's left of the church that the things that they've taught and the things that they believe are not correct. And they're doing that for their own gain. They're doing that for their own benefit. Okay? And just to be clear, that's not happening here. Right? I just, when when I got that headline, I'm thinking about the text. I thought, wow, what a great example of of what John is describing here, okay? So this message isn't a response to anything, so everybody just chill out if you thought maybe it was, okay? I do want to point out, though, and we know this, that we are bombarded with false ideas and false theologies and teachings through the culture that we live in. I was thinking about on the way here this morning the idea of truth. We hear that term used a lot when we talk about Jesus, but then we look at big media, we look at social media, and, you know, it's all about what's the truth, what's fake news, what's real news, uh, there's been a lot of great content out there about how social media tries to manipulate us, and there's just a lot of, a lot of that out there, and, and what 
tends to happen in culture is we look at truth as something that's subjective, something that changes based on our own personal perspective. But from a biblical standpoint, we see that truth is very objective, right? That it is one thing. Jesus says, I am the truth, right? And so as believers, we, we like hang our hat on that, that that is truth. But what do, you, what do you do when you want to find out what truth is, right? Like in your own life, when you're, when you're researching something or you hear about something and you're like, man, I need to get to the bottom of this, what do you do? You research, right? You spend time. You put your personal energy into that. You think about it. You go to the location where it happened and you ask questions so that you can know based on the evidence that you see what is true and what is not true, right? That's my goal for us as we study this is that we look at the scripture, that we go to what, what is happening in this church where there's division and we say, and we say to ourselves, God, we see this division in our life. We see this division of here's what culture says church is and here's what scripture says church is and which is true. Let's look at this objectively and say, God, where do I need to fall in between this thing? So the goal of this series that I, I feel is for us to see and experience what this video talked about, that Jesus is light and that he is love. And that if we are to be his followers, we are to be made in that example, okay? As we experience that truth that we're talking about, we're going to be made into his likeness and we're going to become a conduit in which Jesus uses us to, ex to express who he is to the people around us. If you're not familiar with what a conduit is, you see them in buildings a lot. They're little metal pipes that, that data and power run through. So the, the message is not coming from us it's coming through us because of what we have experienced God to be. And I want to say this too as we, as we step off into this series. You know, we're, we're all in different places in our walk. And a lot of us have come into this church, TGP, in different stages of our, of our church growth, right? And we talked about this last week. I had, we had a lot of people here and I said, raise your hand if you were here when we did our core group training. And there were four of us in this room that were there for that. My default often is to think we should know these things we've been talking about for five years. But what that assumption forgets is that there's a lot of you guys that weren't here for that. And so as we're walking through this study, as we're talking through these concepts, if you hear me say something that, that is not clear to you, or if, if I say something that you go, I'm not sure what he means by that, ask questions. Ask me, ask your life group leader, ask one of the elders, because at the end of the day, what we want is for us to have this shared perspective, right? For us to engage the word and see the same things. Because if the Holy Spirit is speaking, he's going to be speaking the same message. And so if there's something that's not clear, if there's something that I've just passed by quickly and just made a statement and you're not sure what I'm talking about, don't be embarrassed about that. It may be that you weren't here when we talked about that. And I guarantee you that if you're asking a question, you're not the only one. So be vocal about those things. Life group is a great place for that. Today we're going to start with John in 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4, uh, and then we're going to hit a couple other sections. We'll see what time allows this morning, but uh, I got a lot of content here, and so if I start to talk fast, y'all just say, whoa, slow down, okay? I have a tendency to do that, especially when I'm excited, and I'm really excited about what the Lord's going to say to us today, okay? So let's read this together. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. 
He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Yesterday I was, I was scrolling through Facebook and I, I ran across um, a live video of a guy that I used to go to church with years ago. And in this, I, I've been kind of, I, I see his stuff every now and then. I knew that he was having some health issues. And in this live video yesterday, he shares that he's just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Um, he didn't say in the video what the cancer was, but he's got cancer, and it's stage four, and if you don't know, stage four is a pretty serious deal. It means it's all over your body. And, you know, you ask a lot of questions when that happens, and one of the questions that he asked the doctor at the end of the conversation is, Doc, how long do I have? And the doctor said, my educated answer is about two years. Now, this guy's not old. He's maybe 10, 15 years older than I am. He's got a family. He's got kids. He's got a wife. And I haven't cried in a long time. I mean, like, ugly cried. And I did yesterday. Thankfully, I was at my office by myself, and nobody else had to see it. But it tore me up. He's telling his friends and his family that he's been diagnosed with this, and he's only got a few years left. Yet, in this moment, he's here. He's staring down death. And unless God intervenes in some miraculous way, he knows that he's going to die. Right? I, I, I can't. I haven't personally been there, and so I can't imagine what that must feel like. But in that moment, he uses that opportunity to share the truth about who God is. That's the message that he chose to send. That he wasn't afraid because he knew, one, that he has a Savior. And that this pain and this suffering is only temporary. But two, he knows now the length of time that he has left on this earth. Or at least a doctor's best answer. And so what he decides to do with that time is to tell people, look, let me tell you about my God, about my Savior. He asked the people not to pray for him, but to pray for the doctors and the nurses and the people that are going to be involved in this process over the next couple of years. And so I asked myself the question, because you know our story, what brings a person to that point? What happens in a person's life that when they are faced with death, that their immediate response is, I've got to tell people about Jesus? Look, this guy knows God. And it was obvious. He is so intimately acquainted with who his father is that in this time of great sorrow and suffering, he ran to him. And he said, God, I belong to you. I only have a short time left. What do you want me to do with it? Please use this. <laughs> Apparently it's time for worship. I had a pause plan right there anyway, so thank you for that. I was telling Bethany Friday night, um, I've had to go to Shreveport uh, every week for the last three weeks. Um, and when going through Shreveport, all three times I had to pass Willis Knight in the hospital, which is where Bethany had her initial discovery surgery where they found the, the, the cancer. Um, we went back a couple of times for subsequent surgeries. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I drive a lot... Um, I'm kind of in my own head thinking, I'm listening to music, listening to the audio book, and I'm just turning when the GPS says to turn, right? And all of a sudden I look up, and there's the hospital. And it was like a sucker punch, because all of those emotions came back to me, right? Like just the fear, the anxiety, the pain that Bethany went through with the surgeries, and the un, just the unknown. I remember sitting in that waiting room, and the doctor came out and said, I'm, 
about 90% sure this is cancer, but don't tell your wife. What? <laughs> All of that came as a flashback. I'm not playing the cancer card today to, to just get your attention or play with your emotions. I want to share with you some truth that I've discovered in my life as a result of what we've walked through as a family. It's because of these things that my family's been through that my perspective is different today than it was before. I don't know how many of you guys are on Facebook and you saw that incredibly awesome picture that my wife posted of us from 2002. Like, I looked at that guy. If you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. Like, I thought it was so cool. I was not, okay? I had blue sunglasses. It was, we were right out of the 90s. You can't help yourself. They were from American Eagle. That's the only, my only saving grace, and that was popular at the time. But that guy from 2002, I'm not that guy anymore. Thank God I'm not that guy anymore. I've grown a lot. The Lord has changed my life. As Bethany and I were talking Friday night, I realized that, you know, I've shared with you guys before my struggle with Christmas, and it was a lot different this year. Like, I did more in the terms of Christmas this year than I've done, like, in the last decade. I'm, I'm not kidding. And it was awesome, and I loved it. And it dawned on me as I was thinking through these things that my perspective on life is different, right? Because of my experiences. Look, this is just one example, but there are, are so many things in my life that has changed as a result of who I know God to be now because of what I've experienced as I've walked with him. And because God walked with us, with my family through that time, I know him in a way that I did not know him before, right? But something else has happened. I have been given a better perspective of life than what I had before I went through all those things. I'm sharing those stories with you today because they've changed who I am. They didn't turn me into a yes man where, you know, life is short, I've got to do all the things. Quite the opposite, in fact. These things that I've experienced have caused me to weigh every decision that I make against the weight of knowing Jesus and making him known. Because I, like my friend, now know that life is short and what we do with the time that we are given matters. Look, I've walked with God, I've heard his voice, I've felt his hand, and I know him. In, in verse 4 of that first chapter, John says this, he says, We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. We are writing these things so that we may, we may fully share our joy. I was talking with somebody else this week, and I was again kind of relating my sentiment about why I felt frustration recently. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the church growth, right? My frustration is, is that I have conversations with some of you and you are struggling with life and all the answers are right there in front of you. We've been hearing the same messages over and over, but instead of running to God, we try to fix it ourselves and then our lives become more broken and we're standing there going, I don't understand. I ask God every day that he'd give me the words to say to you guys. And as you know, I do that. Like, that's my goal. That's all I want to know. And so some of the messages have been strong, but I want you to know that I am emotionally invested in every one of those messages because partially they're for me too, right? We've been real clear about that. But also because I am invested in you guys. You are my people. When you laugh, I laugh. When you cry, I cry. When you suffer, I suffer with you. Not because I've decided to, but because I love you. 
Listen, God wants our joy to be complete. And the only way that happens is if we know Him. We cannot have, we cannot know complete joy until we know Him. But more importantly, we also cannot share that joy if we have not experienced it ourselves. So the first point I want to make today, now that I've talked for a while, is that we need to share our God experiences with the people in our life. Not a new message, right? We need to share our God experiences with the people in our lives. John is writing this to his friend, okay? This friend is part of a church and they're experiencing trouble. He wants to encourage him that they are correct in their belief of Jesus. And John confronts this, this, these deceivers head on by sharing his experiences. Look at, look at this again at verses 1 through 4. Listen to the words that John says. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. That echoes what he says in the book of John, chapter 1. He says, whom we have heard and we have seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is starting off this sermon by sharing with them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And John knows it because he has experienced it himself. When Jesus healed people, John was there. When Jesus cried with people, John was there. When Jesus was crucified, John was there. When Jesus rose from the dead and revealed himself to the disciples, John was there. No one can tell John that Jesus is not the Messiah. You know why? Because he was there. He is an eyewitness to what happens. He uses this language of we have heard, we've seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, we've touched with our hands. He is not teaching something that he heard from someone else. John has authority here. He's teaching based on his personal experience with Jesus. He has authority that these naysayers could never have. They can say that Jesus is not the Messiah until they're blue in the face, but John knows the truth because he was there. He experienced it for himself. John's argument is not based on theory or theology or interpretation. He cannot be argued with. Someone who has experienced something for themselves cannot be argued with. They know the truth. They've done the research. It's based on facts. And John is clear from the outset the reason for his writing. He's writing so that they may know Jesus and be part of the fellowship as they come to know him. Having personal experiences with God is such a simple concept, but I don't know about you, but sometimes I just forget about it. As I was writing this, I remember a time in my life where I was on staff at a church as the youth pastor, and I remember sitting in my office on a Wednesday night or a Wednesday afternoon preparing my lesson, and I remember just looking at the story that we were dealing with that week and going, how do I sell this? How do I convince a bunch of teenagers that living selfishly is something that they would want to do? I want you to think about that for a minute. Here I am, the youth pastor, right? The guy that's supposed to be leading these people to know God. And I'm asking myself, why would I want to live this way? 
And in that moment, I realized that something major had shifted in my life and not in a good way. I had become so wrapped up in the job and doing the things that you're supposed to do that I had forgotten that this word was not something that I should just teach out of, but something that I should be living in. And I had to take a step back and go, God, something's messed up in here. and I need you to fix it. You see, I tried to teach beyond. I was trying to prepare a lesson, lesson to teach beyond my own personal experience. And when I got to that place, I realized I could not do it. I couldn't speak to anyone with any kind of conviction or with a clean conscience until I had experienced that for myself. Do any of you guys, um, I don't know if y'all did this as, as kids growing up, but anybody, youth pastor, ever take you to the mall to witness to people? And by that I mean pass out fake million dollar bills. Anybody have to do that? I don't know about you, but there was a massive amount of anxiety for me when that time came every year. And embarrassment. I didn't want my friends to see me at the mall passing out fake million dollar bills because everybody knew what that was. Right? You know why I was scared? Why I was embarrassed? I wasn't so in love with God that I wanted to walk around the mall and tell every person I met. And it's not biblical. We'll talk about that at another time. But the truth of it is, is that I was trying to do something that was beyond my experience. I, I can't remember exactly what time in my life that was. I remember, I have a very vivid memory of that. I don't even know if I was saved yet or not. But here I am. Would you like a million dollars? And people are going, oh my God, get these kids out of here. Look, when we try to operate beyond our experience, people know. They know. When we try to tell people something, we try to share something that God has not revealed to us by experience, but rather someone else's interpretation, they can feel it. It's not authentic. That other person whose experience you're sharing, it may be accurate, but it's not yours. Glenn talked about, I don't know, a year and a half ago that all we have to offer is our stories, right? That's all we got. Our experience with God and sharing that with other people. Look, John's writing this, this church to say, look, I know that Jesus is the Messiah because I was there. I was part of it. I'm not replicating someone else's story. I'm telling you my story. So John sends this message to the church to show that there's a difference between having an actual eyewitness account and then just regurgitating something that someone else said. And he's going to make a case against these men who were selling these false ideas in their own arguments. Look at, look at me with at uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is what he goes on to say after his introduction. He says, This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Point number two for today is we need to examine life through the lens of scripture. John makes this introduction. He establishes authority over those that are speaking against Christ. And then in this section, we see John using three different statements. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, he says, if we, ha if we say we have no sin, or if we say we have not sinned, John is directly 
addressing these deceivers and the statements that they have made. Because they have said to the church that they know God. They have fellowship with him. They're saying to the church that they don't sin. And they're saying to the church that in this idea that they're sharing that they are not sinning. In order to legitimize their claims, they're trying to take this, these ideas that are godly ideas and deceive the church by comparing themselves against the biblical standard for righteousness. They're saying, oh no, we're good. Look, we're, we're doing a good thing here. They're saying that what they are teaching is from God, and because it's from God, they're not sinning. And isn't that a classic tactic of the enemy to take something, a word that God has said, and twist it into something else that's not true? Like, that's like the, literally the oldest trick in the book, right? Like, that's where it started. Satan casts doubts in our minds and makes us ask questions about what God actually said. We see this happen in church all the time. People, well-meaning or not, they use God's word and try to make things happen the way they want them to happen. The context clues that are given in this book, as we're going to continue to see as we study it, help us to see that this same thing that's going on in this story happens around us. Jesus is getting in the way of what these men want to try to accomplish, and so they kick him out the door. And then they try to gather up some people around them that want to agree with them so that they can have power. However, thankfully, the leaders in that church are not dummies. They see it. And so they, they, I would assume they write to John and say, John, this is what's going on. How do we handle this? And so John sends this sermon to encourage them. I think it's no accident that John responds to these deceivers in the same way that Jesus responds to Satan when Satan tempts him at the beginning of his ministry. He examines their words and their motives through the lens of what he has experienced from Jesus. And he finds that these statements that these men's, men are making are not true. They're saying they have fellowship with God, but our God, uh, John argues that that cannot be true. He says they can't be in fellowship with him and be living in spiritual darkness at the same time. He's pointing to their lives and he's showing that they are not living in the light, but they're living in darkness. And John explains that if they're living in the light, darkness would not be able to be in them. You are going to have similar experiences in your life. As we walk through what it means to be the church of God, there are going to be people in your life who are going to say to you, well-meaning people, who are going to say to you, this thing that you're doing is not from God. And you need to be prepared to be able to say, no, my experiences, the things that God is speaking in my life, the things I know to be true about him, are showing me that this is God, that this is truth. The second thing they were doing is they're claiming that they don't sin. And if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is, right? Scripture is very clear that we all sin. And John reminds them of this, but he also says, look, even though we are all sinners, Jesus has made a way for us to be forgiven, and it's through his death and resurrection. And then finally, they claim that in this specific incident that they're not sinning. And after stacking up all the evidence, John concludes that they are, in fact, sinning by leaving the church and trying to tear it down with false teaching. John's trying to help the church see the difference between what the deceivers are saying and what he himself has seen to be true. We need to see in this passage that God is light as John describes him and that we are called to live in that light. And as a result of us living in that light, that light is going to be shown in the darkness all around us. It's this light that draws people to us. And if we're living in the light, we are going to be a part of that process. If you are living in the light, people are going to, just like, what's that, a bug movie? 
bugs flying towards the bug zapper, and he's like, don't go. He's like, I can't help it. That's, that's it. If we're living in the light, people are going to be drawn to us, not because of who we are, but because of what is in us. Listen, we can't separate those two things. We can't live in darkness and then try to draw people to ourselves. Those two things, we can draw people to ourselves, but all they're going to see is us. If we're not living in the light, we may be trying to bring others to Jesus, but we are being just like the deceivers. We're bringing them to a false Jesus. We're bringing them to who our idea of Jesus is, our idea, not Jesus himself. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Look, just doing things in Jesus' name is not enough. We can't just do something and put a Jesus stamp on it and call it good. That's not how it works. Over this next year, we're going to be digging into Scripture and allowing God to change our perspective on this world that we live in. We want to change our perspective on what it means to be a follower, what it means to be a light in the darkness. We want God to change our perspective on what's important in life. Because culture around us is screaming at us about the things that should be important. And Scripture tells a very different story. And so my goal for us this year, God's goal for us this year, is that we would gain new perspective about what we should be chasing after and what we should let go by the wayside. We're going to stop right here. I have more to say, but we'll pick up next week for the sake of time. But listen, I want to end with this idea today. What I, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to spend time in your life group this week. As part of your, your time together, if you're going through a book study, that's fine. Take a few moments and discuss these ideas with one another. Share some experiences. One of the things that's, and we'll talk about this later, that's kind of been um, difficult for me being in this role is that I can't go to a life group every week to all y'alls. Like, I would never be home. And one of the things that, that I feel is missing is our stories. Like, we just, we don't share that often enough. And part of the reason is I don't know all the things that are going on in your life. And so I'm asking you, if you're not sharing stories in life group, please do that. But life group leaders, members, if God is doing a work in your life, ask him if you need to share that with the body. And if he says, yes, come to me, let us share those stories. God is, is wanting to do something huge through us. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it because, like I said a while ago, y'all are my people. Like we're doing this together. It's not just the will show. This is us learning together about who God is, seeing the truth as we experience it in life, as we study his word. And that's exciting to me because I know the difference that it's made in my life. And I, I, it, it's, this is my life, you guys. This is what I do. This is what I care about. And just like I, I love my kids and I want the best for them, I, I have the same feelings for you guys. And so just like I'm excited when my kids go through a great experience, I'm excited for you guys. I'm, I'm, I have a huge amount of anticipation for what God's going to do. Okay, let's pray together. And we'll stop talking.
God, I'm super excited about the work that you have for us, the things that you want to teach us, the things you want to show us. God, I want to ask that as we um, spend time with you this week, Lord, that you would reveal truth to us. God, that you would give us new experiences with you. God, it is my, my passion, it's my desire to be in the light. And Father, not to be there on my own, but to be there with my brothers and sisters that are in this church. God, help us to know you in such a grounded way that when someone comes into our life and tries to convince us that the things that we know by experience are not true, that God, that we can have absolute resolve that you are the way and the truth and the life and that what you call us to is greater than anything else. God, we love you so much. Father, help us to, to desire you, to know you. Draw us into yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.